0: The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Well, good day, and welcome to another edition of Business Sense Radio with your host, Edward King. And on uh, the weekly programs, Edward always has interesting guests and topics to discuss. And let's check in with Edward and see what's going to happen on today's program. Good day, Edward.
1: Thank you, Mark. Um, Yes, we do have a very interesting guest today, a special guest, that we're going to actually share an interview that I did uh, back in July. So just a couple of weeks ago when we were down at the Freedom Fest it was held in Las Vegas, actually, at the Mirage, and which turned out to be a really nice conference center, and the rooms were great, and I actually kind of enjoyed myself. I never did leave the building during the entire trip because it was, for me, nonstop, and we had some really interesting interviews with Senator Paul Rand, uh, Kelly Rand. We had an interview with uh, Steve Forbes. Uh, General Rod Spaulding, uh, the author of uh, the Tuttle Twins, Connor uh, Boyack, and um, Jennifer, no, Jenny, was it, Jenny Beth Martin or something like that? She was the originator of the, um, what was that? Jenny Beth Martin
0: sounds correct.
1: Yes, and she was the Tea Party. Uh, One of the two other founders of the Tea Party, which made a huge difference in the 2010 and 2012 elections before Obama sicked the IRS on them. If you all remember that story, it was pretty amazing. And I just wanted to do a shout out to those that are listening to us today on KQNT 590 in Spokane, Washington and it's really good to have you all with us today. We've got, you know, radio stations throughout the west, but I just wanted to say hi to them because I'm going to be up in that area in a couple of weeks and I look forward to um checking out the um landscape. You know, just moving into the program here, there's so much news right now focusing on I hate to say it, corruption and collapse of the public school systems throughout the country. And parents are taking charge of their finally, parents are taking charge of their children's education, which has actually led to a rise in homeschooling. Now, honestly, and I could say this true to many people that I talk to or interview, I I don't understand why school teachers, or not all of them, but some of them Counselors, administrators don't understand that parents don't want their kindergartner being taught about sex, and they don't want their third graders being told that they are a different gender than what they really are. And so when you add to that the confusion brought on by the extremists, the -the off-the-rails media that we see day in and day out the weaponizing of government agencies, and a complete attack on the Constitution, I have to ask the question, will this ever end? And what is the end game of what you know these extremists are trying to accomplish? <clears throat> now, going back to the homeschooling here on BCR Radio, Business Sense Radio, we have had several shows about homeschooling. We've tackled issues like, why do you pull your children out of the public school system? Unless there's some reasonable minds taking charge of the school district, parents are just recognizing that they're not leaving it to the administration to raise their children. We also tackle about who does homeschooling and how to do homeschooling. And the reality is homeschooling is a very scary challenge for first-time parents. But I assure you, there are many resources out there to help these parents navigate starting and running their own homeschool for their children. And so I'd like to remind you, as I do almost every week, that parents, you are the gatekeeper of your child's mind. And it's not the government. Think about it. Who loves your child? You or the tax collector? So, at this point, we pretty much don't have a choice. It's either save your children or lose them. And resources for the homeschooling parents is something that these parents want to know about. Now, one of the important resources are books. Now, you might have heard about the Tuttle Twins series of children's books. They're very entertaining, but as well as educational. And actually, kids love these books, they get addicted to it. They start with one and just Read through the series. And this series of books is written for all ages. You can start with your toddler and read it to them. And they have different sequences of books that go all the way up through high school. And these Tuttle Twin books teach important ideas that these days schools are not teaching. Currently, I'm even reading one of the books. The latest book that was released was literally about American history. It was an enjoyable read, and it talks about and tells the story of why America freed itself from the distant, uncaring British rule. And this history book is not just about dates and events, which is pretty much all they teach in school, because this book is about American history, and it focuses on the why and the who. So it gives great depth. And stories, and it's a fabulous read, and I highly recommend it. And I recommend it for uh, parents. And it's simply called American History. It's a Tuttle Twins series, and it covers the years 1215 through 1776. Beautifully animated, as they all the Tuttle Twins books are, and the Tuttle Twins series in its other books teaches children about. Things like individual rights that are provided by the Constitution, free market concepts, money, inflation, many other life lessons. Now, maybe you're listening and you're saying that sounds pretty boring, but these life lessons are taught with fun adventures and colorful characters. And even you, the parents, will learn something or one or two things along the way as well. So it's enjoyable. Now, this week, I wanted to share that interview that I did back in July at the Freedom Fest. It's a national conference. It happens once a year. And uh, I encourage you to take a shot and take a look at their freedomfest.com website. You can learn all about them. Their next conference that I'm going to go to is in July of 2023, and this one is going to be held in Memphis, Tennessee which has got great barbecue and my understanding of where they're going to hold the conference is it's a very beautiful destination <clears throat> and they keep you completely engaged in and, and, and entertained with uh, amazing speakers and workshops and tell uh, they have movie programs that they put up of different independent filmmakers. So it's very, very interesting. So I want to not hold up this interview, so we are going to take a break for our sponsors and then when you come back we'll start right up with the interview and we'll go from there.
2: You want your property to be protected from break-ins, vandalism and loitering, yet guards and patrol services are expensive. ATG Protect by Alvarez Technology Group is the perfect affordable solution. ATG Protect is a video surveillance solution with cameras powered by artificial intelligence and backed by live guards who can intervene and scare off unwanted intruders and even call first responders when needed. ATG Protect gives you peace of mind and keeps you safe. Secure and successful, contact Alvarez Technology Group at 831-753-7677 or on the web at alvareztg.com.
1: Business owners, do you want to build a successful business, invest in your most valuable asset, your staff? Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, business writing, Outlook, and sexual harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at alliancetrains.com. You're listening to Business Sense Radio. My name is Edward King, and today we have a special guest. His name is Con- Connor Borak. He's the author of the Tunnel Twins that you probably have heard of. I know we've talked about it on our show in the past. But even more importantly, he founded, and he's the president of Liberace, right? Yep. Institute, which is f- centered in Utah. And my understanding is that he uh, focuses on state and local issues. That's right. Right. That's right. Uh, Along with that, he's the author of several books of the Tuttle Twins series. And most recently, the one that I was really interested in as well is the history book. Yeah. Because it really delves into an area of the why more so than, as you had said, you know, the guns and the dates and all of that. Sure. So it's much more important. So let's start talking about the, your organization, your think tank, with it being in legislation. What are some of the broad issues that you're tackling?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we work on property rights issues, uh, on uh, tech and innovation to kind of create a free market, make sure the laws and regulations don't inhibit innovation. Yeah. We work uh, a lot on local government issues. Uh, very heavily on criminal justice reform, making Mm -hmm. sure we're not overly punishing innocent people uh, unfairly, Uh, and a lot of education issues as well, making sure that we have parental choice, making sure that we're not supporting just systems for the sake of supporting a system, but rather uh, having a diversity of options that can uh, meet the diversity of needs of diverse children um, to have a better education outcome. And so we work on a lot of different issues, uh, but all of them are at a state uh, level typically and and a local level where we can affect change far more easily Mm -hmm. than being up at a federal level where it's very difficult to get things moving.
1: Well, I think effectively, since we're a republic, that in with its within the states that we can make a big difference in Washington D.C. Yep. Um, now another area that I know that you had worked with was data privacy. Yeah. And um, how has that played out there in in Utah?
3: So we've gotten Utah to have the nation's strongest uh, laws on the books as it pertains to privacy. I'll give you one example. Uh, Several decades ago, the Supreme Court uh, created what they called the third-party doctrine. Mm -hmm. And this arose from a bank case. So the idea was, I'll use myself as an example, Connor. You went to the bank and you made some deposits and you left stuff in a safe deposit box and you made certain transactions. So the bank has these records yes. about your financial history. Well, that, those records, those documents do not uh, merit the same level of privacy protections as they might if you had them in your possession in your home. The fact that you've trusted them to a third party must mean that you don't consider them to be as private as your personal effects in your home. Therefore, we're going to allow the government to snoop on them, access them without a warrant. Wow. Whereas if they wanted to go get them in your home, they'd have to get a warrant. Now, this was all in an analog context, meaning non-digital. It was actual documents and the Mm -hmm. like. But the Supreme Court made this ruling. It became the third-party doctrine, and the idea was... if. Uh, if your information is in custody of a third party, then the police may not need to get a warrant to obtain it. Well, I think that's problematic on its face. However, it's extremely problematic in a digital world. Uh, You and I right now, if I were to call you on the phone or if we were to be doing this interview over Zoom or you're sending a text to anyone, even if you're doing so-called direct communications to people digitally, there are multiple third parties in the middle who are relaying that, who you're going across their cable, their wireless network, you know, the towers, Mm -hmm. uh, the data storage companies, all these things. If I upload something to Dropbox, uh, maybe it's a sensitive financial document for my business. I have a secure Dropbox account. And yet the very... The very fact that I am uploading that to a third party, according to the third party doctrine, means that the cops or the feds can go to uh, Dropbox and say, hey, we want Connor's information. It's a massive loophole when it comes to privacy. So what we've done in Utah is to say, at least for our state and local law enforcement, we can't, of course, regulate the you sure. know, FBI but for all of our state and local law enforcement they have to get a warrant regardless where where uh, wherever the the data or documents are whether they're digital or not If anything is in the custody of a third party but pertains to another individual that's the subject of their search, they still have to get a warrant. They still have to go to a judge. And so uh, we created this kind of landmark privacy policy that we're now helping other states try to
1: pass as well. Yeah, that leads me to the next question. Is Utah the only state out of the 50 that currently has that privacy law?
3: California now has kind of a, a modified version of that. Um, and there are several other states that are looking at it, but ours was kind of the landmark, like, moving yeah. forward for this. Um, so it's, that's kind of a new big effort that we're trying to push and make sure we can get a lot of other states. So, so yeah, like, almost every state does not have legal protections in place. Um, and, and what it really means is that the government has substantially easy access to obtain... Our information—it's
1: unfettered; I, it's, it can not get to anything.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you think of the NSA, it's even worse—they're snooping on everything. But uh, which happens
1: to be on YouTube. Which, yeah, the their their <laughs> facility is down the road. I, I
3: flip the bird at it every time I drive oh, by. Come on, but uh, but uh, but no, it is it is a problem. I, I think the the challenge that we face is a lot of people assume I've got nothing to hide. You know, therefore, what it's like. Everyone has something to hide, and if the government is collecting all this data and can it can access all of our data. All it takes is one kind of abusive guy to abuse that you know abuse that power misuse uh, that power, and then you know, whether it's even something criminal like stalking you or whatever, like the government should just not be able to access the data about our personal lives that easily. So, we're trying to restore kind of the Fourth Amendment principles that the founding fathers put in place to say probable cause, go to a judge, have particularity. We need to have this due process in place so that the government isn't just empowered to be so invasive in right. our lives.
1: Now, it was interesting you brought up California because just two days ago. As you probably know, there was in San Francisco there was a recall election that recalled the district attorney, mm-hmm. who was anti-law. So they put in place, not elected, a new DA who just yesterday have put forward the uh, effort to use everybody's personal CCTVs that they now have made law locally that the police have rights to have access to your CCTV, whether it's in your home, your front door, your doorbell, and so forth. Now, that's just the opposite of data privacy, and that's impinging right inside people's homes. Yeah. So, California is going backwards, not forwards. So, I I'm agree. not quite sure what the date of privacy you were referring to, but
3: Yeah, it's a law called it. CalEC, but no, but you're right. There's the, There are a lot of people in positions of power who are trying to erode privacy even further. And even in Utah, as we make gains, there are many in law enforcement who fought us yeah. as we tried to do this. Those who protect and serve, those who swear an oath to uphold the Constitution were the largest impediment for us to try and get this law passed. And so, I'm under no delusions that like once you get a law changed, you know, they comply with it all the time and they'll leave it alone and and support it. No, they, they want to continue to, I mean, law enforcement's in this precarious thing. They have a goal of public safety. They have this power that they've been given and, and they want to more easily, I think as any human would, they want to more easily do their job. So they see these technologies Mm -hmm. and they're like, Oh, this could help me find the bad guy more easily. And and they are not really trained. I don't think that, I don't think the ethos and the culture of law enforcement is necessarily the protection of innocent people. It's very much the pursuit of the guilty And a lot of people within the profession take a whatever-it-takes approach. The ends justify the means. Uh, I think any profession has bad apples. And so many of these bad apples are willing to utilize these technologies and these approaches, even though it might be constitutionally problematic because they'll say, "Ah, well... The courts will figure it out later. I'm just going to go use this and then get the bad guy.
1: Well, what further makes it more difficult is law enforcement, district attorneys, and so forth, they take a position you're guilty until proven innocent, which is what it used to be in England back 200 years and probably still is. So in regards to your Libertas, do you share your efforts with other organizations in other states, in in essence, helping them Absolutely.
3: Yeah, as of two years ago, the answer is yes. We have people on our staff whose sole job it is to build partnerships with other think tanks, organizations, activists, elected officials, um, and basically export... The work that we're doing we call it nail it then scale it so yeah. we've got a good thing going in utah good relationships good strategy we'll nail it we'll get the policy right and and passed and then we'll scale it to other states through these partnerships where we can go to another organization and say hey guys here's you know polling data research talking points you know the the language of the, the law here's the whole package yeah. pick and choose what you want it's all a cart but if we can be helpful so it's very deferential we're not uh, our organization is not going into those states and actively pushing these things. We're tapping into an existing network of organizations and individuals who we can empower with our material and then support in whatever
1: way they need. Right. Now, Libertas and the think tank has to be expensive to operate. So oh, yeah. how do you find funding to support as all the resources that you're utilizing you know, how does that work?
3: Yeah, so we're a nonprofit, and uh, so the traditional revenue methods for a nonprofit is is uh, fundraising. Uh, we have uh, many donors who are very passionate about what we do who are you know retired or wealthy entrepreneurs who can give more sizable donations. Yeah. We have a whole slew of people who are doing you know $10 a month, $50 a month, yeah. like families that are just committed to what we're doing, uh, foundations who will give us grants for specific mm-hmm. projects. Uh, So it's kind of a diversified stream of donations that all kind of
1: uh, pool in together to allow us to do what we do. So how can some of my listeners actually participate in supporting? Where do they go? Yeah. How's that work? Yeah. So our website is
3: libertas.org, L-I-B-E-R-T-A-S, libertas.org. And there's a donate button right there. Uh, But, you know, any nonprofit's hustling for donations all the time. For me, it's really about partnerships. We are always trying to find people who are passionate about, you know, changing the world for the better, removing problems that stand in people's way. And so, you know, if people like what they see coming to the website, like what we're talking about right now, Mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to explore that partnership with them.
1: Now, I assume, and we're kind of like pivoting right now over to the Tuttle Twins. Yeah. So the Tuttle Twins started how long ago? Eight years, 2014. Okay, so eight years ago, an apple fell out of a tree, hit you <laughs> on the top of the head, and you came up with the idea of the very first book. Is, is that how it happened? Just More of, or less. More or less, <laughs> so, not an
3: apple, but- So I was uh, running this think tank and my children were five and three. And I found myself wanting to share with my kids what dad does all day. Yeah. But how do you talk to an eight-year-old about eminent domain? How do you talk to a five-year-old about you know, fighting for freedom? And I struggled to know how to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I turned to Amazon. I mean, there's books to talk to your kids about birds and the bees or potty training or like yeah. any subject under the sun. I thought, surely there must be a book that will help me talk to my kids about you know, my efforts to uh, you know, work in the kind of political and economic arena. There were none. Uh, There were a few books about the Constitution for kids, but nothing about these more fundamental principles and ideas. So I was talking with a buddy of mine who's now my partner and friend, Elijah. He's our illustrator. And he had young kids uh, as well. We were toying with this idea of a kid's book. And we decided, let's just do one for a fun little side project. There was no vision for what it's become. There was no... Uh, you know delusions of grandeur or anything it was just hey let's create a book that we could both use for our kids maybe other people will like it too Mm -hmm. and a lot of people bought it and said when's the next one coming out we said next one (laughs) so uh, we decided to do a second and just took off from there
1: so the illustrator the animator in a way because you've also done a movie recently cartoon yeah so, how was that? Just a lucky circumstance that the two of you had parallel lives, or
3: yeah, Elijah and I actually, I believe, first met at Freedom Fest of all places. We had we had interacted online, but then we met together for the first time in uh, 2012 here at freedom fest mm-hmm. and uh, and so we just became friends and we recognized i think in one another kind of like-minded but talented and competent you know, person that we're like hey we got to find a way to work together so then a year year and a half later when this idea came up we we're like hey maybe this is the way that we can collaborate yeah um with the cartoon uh team the tuttle twins tv is where the cartoon is this is uh, so Elijah works with me on the books, and then the cartoon is kind of a separate but parallel project. So we have a whole different team of, of uh, animators and designers on the cartoon, and with that team, it was uh, I've known these guys for like a decade. All kind of around the time that I met Elijah, their kids have all read the Tuttle Twins books. Okay. You know, they they're very like minded. So when we were talking to them about a cartoon. We became, you know, we recognized that they were the right team to do it. So it is a bit of serendipity of just knowing these people, but also knowing them for a while and recognizing that these are people we can trust, that they're deeply committed to the same values that we are. It wasn't just someone we hired off the internet or someone we found. Mm -hmm. So just that investment in the relationship has really paid off.
1: So in in one way, would you say that possibly God is involved? I believe
3: so. I mean, yeah. I, I am a very mission-driven person and feel like I have, I have found my calling in life. I believe the ideas of human flourishing uh, are inspired and make uh, lives better for people, pulls them out of poverty and misery. Uh, to me, this is a, a very passion. Uh, it's a passion project of mine, yeah. one that I feel called by God to do. So mm-hmm. I would say absolutely yes in okay. my case.
1: Does your wife help
3: you in all of this besides taking care of the two kids? She, My wife is one of our editors for our books. Uh-huh. She is a very meticulous editor. Uh, And she also has launched our TikTok uh, account. She does TikTok videos for us now. So China
1: knows all about you now.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I I was reluctant to join TikTok. (laughs) That's the front door to China. If if China wants to learn about the ideas of liberty, then, you know, all all the better. Let's get them that message. Yeah, well,
1: the Chinese government is more about taking you down, not lifting you up. That is right. Now, 2014, the political environment was somewhat different than it is today. For sure. Now we're living in a very polarized left and right, and no one can discuss or communicate because everybody just thinks the other side is, is evil. Right. So, how do the Tuttle Twins books help counteract polarization and also bring back? in the absolute benefit of the Constitution and the founding of America and what does America actually stand for? Is this one of your tools that brings us all together? The challenge that we've seen
3: uh, working on this over the years is that a lot of parents have felt disempowered in their own knowledge of these ideas. Mm -hmm. They want their kids to learn about how the world works. They want their children to be entrepreneurs. They want uh, to help them, you know, teach them the ideas of the founding of America. But in so many cases, parents feel ill-equipped to do so because they feel like they didn't quite learn it well enough in school or they were not taught in a way where they remember with any depth. So they feel disempowered to talk to their kids, therefore they don't, or they trust it to the schools that hopefully they will. And so what we find oftentimes is that these young kids just aren't learning these things because no one's really talking to them with any intentionality about it. What what, what Elijah and I thought we were doing at first was writing children's books. What we've realized now in the years since that we're doing is creating family resources because in so many cases, more than half, probably approaching two-thirds of our audience, The parents are telling us that they are learning things for the Mm -hmm. first time. And that the format of a kid's book is a very accessible, easy way where it's not saying to mom and dad, hey, here's this 300-page economic textbook you should brush up. It's just a fun story to read. And along the way, they learn these ideas. Maybe they go watch a YouTube video or they read something online and can continue their learning. But they're having these family discussions. Well, what does this actually mean? I got an email recently from a dad. He was in a grocery store. It was with this nine-year-old daughter, and they're walking down the chip aisle. He turns around, and his daughter is no longer next to him. He looks back. She's back away.s He goes back over. Honey, why'd you stop? She's staring at the potato chips. She says, Dad, I get it. I now understand spontaneous order. And the dad is like, what? You know, <laughs> She's like, no, in the Tuttle Twins book, they talk about how spontaneous order is how the free market works. There's no one in charge of potato chip production. There's no one deciding whether we're going to have sour cream and onion or whatever. It's just people on their own deciding and working together. And so we have all these amazing things. And the dad was emailing us this story, just blown away yeah, sure that his nine-year-old knows this economic term and has this understanding that probably half a Congress doesn't understand, mm-hmm. and, and so they are now able to have this reference point, this story, where the dad, the daughter, the other family members, they can all talk about this. They hear something on the radio, a current event. They see something on TV. It gives them a language to talk about these ideas with their kids, and for they themselves, the parents, to understand. That's that's what this is about. Now, yeah. as a family resource, to say. Don't trust the schools. Don't trust the media. Recognize that they're not doing it. You need to do it. We want to empower you to do it. And so these stories can be your language through which you start talking about these ideas together as a family. And for us, in terms of restoring these ideas, this culture of freedom and tolerance and open inquiry and free speech, right? To us, it really comes down to... How are dinner table discussions in homes across America doing? And we think these books can help.
1: It's stimulating. I agree. Now, how many books does the Tuttle Twins have right now?
3: So we have books from toddlers to teens. Uh, We have six toddler books. (coughs) Excuse me. We have 12, soon to be 13 children's books mm-hmm. for like grade school kids. And then we have two series of books for teenagers. One of them is a fiction uh, series, much like the old Choose Your Own Adventure books where you can kind of decide yeah. where the story goes. Ours are political and economic stories. We call them Choose Your Consequence. So you can oh, see, oh, what's going to cool. happen depending on <clears throat> what you choose. So we have uh, four books in that fiction series for teens. And then we have four in our nonfiction. Series which are guidebooks. So, the Tuttle Twins Guide to Logical Fallacies. Mm -hmm. Every chapter is a different logical fallacy we can learn about through stories and little cartoons, uh, or the Tuttle Twins Guide to, for example, uh, inspiring entrepreneurs where every chapter is a story about someone where we can say, what can we learn from their life to apply it to our own? So we're trying to hit all the age ranges. And then with the cartoon trying to be in different mediums where we've got a podcast and a game and curriculum and books and cartoon so that no matter how kids like to learn, we've got something for them. Yeah.
1: The average length of any of these books about how long
3: uh, the children's books, which is what we're best known for. Uh, they're roughly like 60 pages long.
1: Okay. Th- now, it, that differentiates between that and the history book, because oh, that's yes. over 200 some pages.
3: 240. That's yeah. right. This, for us, it's like 11 of our Tuttle Twins books uh, all crammed together in terms mm-hmm. of how much text and story there is in there. And uh, and it very much is a, a more robust resource. Um, this book is two years in the making. And the problem that we're trying to address is, we all know this quote, those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. Sure. The problem is that none of the social studies books out there really do anything about that. I, I bought two and a half years ago when we started this, I went on Amazon and eBay and I had bought a whole bunch of the most popular, uh, most commonly utilized social studies texts mm-hmm. that are used in the schools. I'm flipping through all of them, doing a little bit of analysis, and they're all fantastic at teaching what I call superficial history. What happened and when, who said what, who wrote a letter to who, where did this battle happen? But in my estimation, they all failed all of them, when it came to teaching the ideas of the past. So if we want kids to learn from the past so that we don't repeat its mistakes, we have to talk about ideas and values and philosophies, um, emotions even, things that can apply to our day. We can't really relate to soldiers eating hardtack on a cold winter day. We can't relate to they used muskets or they wore... like. The the superficial details, though interesting, are not what kids need to be learning. They need to be learning the ideas. And right. so the books out the other books out there don't really focus on that at all. And that's what our book is entirely. And that's excellent.
1: Star. Now in addition to that, <clears throat> we've been doing some series of programs on homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Not only talk about the why doing a homeschool, right, looking at the Conditions of our educational system, but the how as well. And we've brought in people who have experienced doing it from, you know, bootstrap pulling themselves up yeah. for resources. Now, I also understand that the Tuttle Twins series of books would be a great resource for anyone doing homeschooling. So do you have like a curriculum that you can also, because there's other industries or other companies that have a curriculum. Have you developed a curriculum as well?
3: Yeah, so our children's books all have activity workbooks that go with them that many families will use as curriculum. We also have a very robust economic curriculum. Um, that teaches free market economics from just the beginning of the beginning all the way through for kids of varying ages, and so we do have that as an official curriculum and then, with our new history book, in addition to the two hundred and forty page book we 've created a standalone two hundred page curriculum mm-hmm. where as the family reads you know each chapter then we 've got all kinds of activities and projects that they can do that reinforce. The ideas and the events that they learned about in that chapter. So we have a lot of homeschooling families who use this as an actual resource for them curriculum-wise to be learning it. Uh, But importantly, I'll say for the families out there who aren't homeschooling or can't or whatever, half of our audience, their kids are in private, public, or charter school the way they're using the television books is a supplement mm-hmm. they know that their kids aren't learning these things in school yeah. and so they don't want to bog you know their kids have homework and all the things but you know again they're stories they're you know this is a, watch the a cartoon it's it's a, a bit easier to provide your children exposure to these things because it's not a heavy handed curriculum that you know is going to take you hours or whatever it's just easy and accessible
1: so for those that aren't homeschool it is also a supplement right and also an informative way of counteracting yep. in a way what they're learning or mislearning That's right. in school now let's go back to the organization how do donors how do people that want to buy the books how they want to you know share this with other families Again, tell us about the website. So for the books,
3: you're going to want to go to tuttletwins.com. That's where you can find all of our books for all the ages, the curriculum that we've discussed, and yeah. other resources. Um, and then for our organization, like for the privacy work and the, the policy things that we we're talking about, that website, again, is libertas, L-I-B-E-R-T-A-S.org.
1: Excellent. Connor, thank you so very much for today's interview. And I'm hoping that I can get you on our real live program. Let's do it. uh, In future months, August and September. And when you have new books, please utilize us to help promote your organization because we and my team are very supportive. And that's why we're so excited about it. Thank you very much. It's an an honor to talk to you, and I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, business writing, outlook, and sexual harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at alliancetrains.com.
2: You want your property to be protected from break-ins, vandalism, and loitering, yet guards and patrol services are expensive. ATG Protect by Alvarez Technology Group is the perfect affordable solution. ATG Protect is a video surveillance solution with cameras powered by artificial intelligence and backed by live guards who can intervene and scare off unwanted intruders and even call first responders when needed. ATG Protect gives you peace of mind and keeps you safe, secure, and successful. Contact Alvarez Technology Group at 831-753-7677 or on the web at alvareztg.com. Well, welcome back.
1: I hope that you had enjoyed that interview with Connor. It was a real pleasure to get to know him, even though we didn't cover all of that in the interview. He is a very amazing and interesting young man, young man being he's in his late 30s, and he is um, married with two children. He works nonstop, And one of the nice things about having that youthful energy is that they just tackle the world. And so he was a very interesting interview, and I hope that you are able to check out the Tuttle Twins series. I would definitely consider the American Histories, the new book, as uh, something worth buying. You can buy it directly from their website or Amazon or any bookstore, so take a look at that. Now, Mark, you know, one of the things that you and I have been talking about is, you know, what is going on in the world, and there's so many areas that we could tackle. I mean, you know, just look at, you know, what's going on over at CNN and how that is not going to turn into a... The center of left or right. They're just going to be a little more subtle about their left-leaning news stories. But one of the things that is coming up, and I'm going to be attending this thing at the Anaheim Convention Center in October, and the American Academy of Pediat- Pediatrics is putting on a conference, and they expect to have eight to 9,000 pediatricians there. And as we should know, the uh, AAP, that's the abbreviation for the American Academy of Pediatrics, has been pushing gender-affirming care model, the GAF, as the sole method for treating gender-confused children regardless of age. And um, a lot of it's been coming out of the Boston Children's Hospital.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're literally advertising for or hystere- What is that? Hysterectomies? Hysterectomies. For, for minors. And children as young as 12 are getting double mastectomies, and 16 year old boys are having their uh, penises and testicles removed. Now, I don't know about everyone in the listening audience today, but my personal opinion is I think that's kind of wrong. And one of the words you said was they're uh,
0: M- mutilating. It's mutilation yeah, of these children. The- and, and really, they are not of, a, of an age where they could make this type of informed decision. But I want to go back. I want to circle back to something that you mentioned in your preamble. And just to circle back to CNN for a moment and the changes going um, yeah. on over there. Now, they got rid of, um, of uh, a Zucker who there was a guy um, who had been yeah. running the network for a long time mm-hmm. who was very, very left wing, and he decided to out left MSNBC with CNN. And so he brought in all these pundits um, like uh, Jeffrey Stelter and Jeff, I'm sorry, uh, not Jeffrey Stelter, but uh, Brian Stelter. Brian. And right. Jeffrey Tubin. And, and Cuomo. And, and, and yes, and Cuomo, and turned Cuomo. them loose. And, uh, um, and they're all leaving the network now because the, the guy who's taken over as the Warner Disney is is actually taking over... Discovery. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, Discovery, I'm sorry. They're, that's taking over CNN. They want to try and, and bring the bring back the news reputation and bring them back to the center. But here's what I... And, and when I used to hear Michael Savage, the talk host, say that liberalism was a mental disease, I kind of laughed about it. But mm-hmm. I think that there really is something to that because you might recall... What led to the downfall of, uh, of Jeffrey Tube? And he was the uh, an economics advisor on and, and pundit on CNN. And he and I'm not going to use the M word to describe it, but I'll use something that's a softer term. But everybody will know what we're referring to but there was a zoom call going on that they were mm-hmm. recording for transmission and he was pleasuring himself during the zoom call and didn't realize that he had his microphone and his camera on when he did that right and and this maybe was he <laughs> maybe he did maybe he did but this was months ago when it occurred and what was amazing was that he was not fired at that immediate moment for doing that he was quote-unquote suspended for a short time and then he ended and up And then he went back. back. And then he went back. Right. And I, you know, you see stuff like this, you hear about stuff like this, and then you find out that the his protector, the guy at the network that hired him, is a major, you know, uh, left-wing force himself running the network. And you really have to conclude that Michael Savage was right when he talks about liberalism being a mental disease, because how else do you explain that that somebody who who created who did something like what tubin did was allowed to keep their job and then if you look at Brian Stelter and his program that was supposed to analyze the media and he he avoided major stories that made the left look bad. And th- he was given a pass on that. That was journalistic malpractice. And yet, he was given a pass and he kept his job. So now the new guy coming in has decided that, you know what, we really are going to try and th- change the direction of this network. Uh, whether it really changes or not, that remains to be seen. But at mm-hmm. least those are positive steps. But then, moving Moving forward to what the topic that you've brought out, Edward, and that is that when you go into these organizations, whether it's this American uh, the, the Pediatrics Association, yeah, then the gender the affirming the Academy and the gender affirming mm-hmm. um, you know mission that they feel that they are on, and, and basically okaying hysterectomies for young girls who are you know barely into their teen years, the removal of testicles and everything else um, mm-hmm. b- because they're gender confused and uh, well they and, and if a child decides at the age of twelve, that it's a you know they're a biological male, but they've decided in their mind that they should be a female. All these adults are rushing to, to pat them on the head and the back and say, "Well, yes, of course you're right. Yes, yes, because that's what you feel." And and you really have to under you have to believe that the people who are approving these things, they are mental. Th- there is something wrong with them between their ears. They they have a twisted view of the world, a twisted view of human. Humanity, and quite frankly, they've got the wrong view. They have the absolute wrong view of, of pretty much everything.
1: Well, yeah, what we've done is we've let the mental patients out of the mental hospital.
0: Yeah, they're, the inmates are running the asylum, as the old saying yeah, goes. Right, and you know what's interesting
1: about these children is they didn't come up with these ideas on their own. You know, these kindergartners, these third graders, and so forth—they're not coming up with this confusing idea of their identity on their own. And if, if they weren't being fed this garbage, it would never cross their mind.
0: Right. It's, it's a media that, creation.
1: Yeah, because... As I talk with mothers and mothers who had children 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, you know, they constantly say, I didn't, my children didn't think about, you know, adult themes, whether it's sexuality or whatever, in those young ages. Mm-hmm. And and in essence, it's not just the media that they're watching. It, it is literally the teacher in the classroom that is actually influencing them. And the reality is, as children go to school, public school in this particular case, over the history of it, they're always influenced by their teachers. But the teachers used to, or still do, some, very few, or many, I don't know, should influence the child into good, healthy directions.
0: Right. And I and, and what I find so stunning about this, and that was the word that I used to, to you in our off-the-air conversation, was that you have official organizations that are condoning these practices and encouraging them. And, mm-hmm. and thank God, m- not everyone in the medical profession feels this way. I know a woman who is in her late 30s, and she's got some health problems, uh, and the only way that she's going to have them solved is to have a hysterectomy. Okay, so the she's had these problems for a number of years, and mm-hmm. a couple of doctors she talked to, and the one doctor that's treating her now has been treating her for a few years, and he said a few years ago that he wouldn't approve the hysterectomy for her at the time because, you know, you're still of childbearing age, and what if you decide that you want to have another child? Yeah. Because they have to keep that in mind. now. It's come to the point where the woman has got a 20-year-old daughter and she has an 8-year-old son. And so they had a long conversation about it and decided that, okay, um, you know, you're not going to have any more children. You know, you're Mm -hmm. you're making an informed choice because you are an adult and you're almost 40 years old now. So they're going to go ahead and do it. But how? How can any doctor listen to the, the the blatherings of a 12- or 13-year-old girl who wants to have the same procedure done and say, yes, of course, uh, we'll do that because you need to transition to a male because that's what you feel that you are. Uh, today. To me, today, yeah, today, but tomorrow today. they change their today. mind, to, yeah. And that has happened. Mm. I, I have mm-hmm. read No, accounts, it is happening. I have read first-person accounts online of young women who had this quote-unquote work done to them, and then they realized three, four, five years later, I've made a terrible mistake, and now Mm -hmm. I am stuck this way for the rest of my life. Why Mm -hmm. didn't anyone stop me? Why wasn't this Mm -hmm. outlawed when I was that age?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there used to be a standard term of informed consent, and Mm -hmm. it starts with the word informed. We also know very, very clearly that the human mind does not develop is not developed fully until a person is right around 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean it's almost an argument against letting people 25 and under to vote, right? Because they they haven't had the experience and the and the, the hormonal maturity that occurs in the brain as well as in the rest of the body to be able to get to the point where they understand The outlook on on the world now. Five years ago, the things that these young people were doing is they're, you know, dyeing their hair green, or they were wearing all black and heavy makeup, or whatever, and trying to explore. Um, the peer pressure group life that they're living in. But now it's gone to this extreme that they're poisoning children with chemicals to transition them away from mother's nature's, you know, intent on which sex they are male or female. Because biologically, there is only one or two male or female, and that's all there is. And so that the only way that they can um, destroy Mother Nature is to cut off parts, and that's what they're doing. These kids are so going to be mentally confused, Damaged. Uh, you think PTSD is bad? What these kids are going through is hundred
0: times worse. Right, and it's it's really criminally. It, it, it is absolute medical malpractice and negligence yep. to perform yep. this kind of work on children that young. I I agree with you about you know twenty five years old. I think once they've reached twenty five and they want to do this kind of thing to themselves, um, okay, fine. You know, uh, you're an adult. Uh, your your mind supposedly is matured as far as it's going to and mm-hmm. you can go ahead and make that decision but to do it when you're half that age because Twelve. of here yeah 12 to because of yep. peer pressure because of media pressure because mm-hmm. of of seeing a narrative that tells you that oh yeah this is the cool thing to do this is the right thing for you to do and um and while we're conditioning your mind to accept these thoughts be sure to never tell your parents Right. What That's we're the telling other thing. you at school, right?
1: Yeah. So, you can always know when something bad is going on because they say you have to keep secrets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what did occur, one of the small benefits of the pandemic and forcing kids to take schooling at home, and the parents at that point were now home too because they had couldn't go to work physically they'd do it by zoom or whatever they actually saw what was going on in the schools and it got to the point where the teachers were telling the children don't let your parents see what we're doing on the on the monitor screen and this whole confusion, dysphoria, gender dysphoria that's going on is there is a, a complete program that the school is actually doing, as an example. These these people, these children are encouraged to bring clothes to the school that they can put in a closet and then they can their parents will dress them to because they're a girl. And when they get to school they're able to go and change their clothes into boy clothes and then be talked and told at using a boy name. And they keep that secret going in at school. The teachers, the administrators, the counselors are all instructed. Do not tell the parents that Jane is now going by the name of John or whatever right. it is. Yeah,
0: because the schools and, now feel that it is their it is their mission to subvert yep. the parents, and to subvert society's norms. That's mm-hmm. what they think that they are there to do. And they do do it. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's not a
1: game. So, you know, I had said prior to our interview um, that, we, that we aired, I had made this statement. I had asked parents this. Who loves your child? And I asked the question. The choices are you or the tax collector because the tax collector is the government in every situation and i can't believe that anyone in this right mind would think that the government the tax collector is got your child's best interest at heart right now you look at the economics of it so why are they doing it well they're just trying to destroy our culture and what's really interesting is if you go over to europe sweden you know denmark the uk they are completely opposed to this gender dysphoria treatment of converting boys to girls and girls to boys they will not allow it to happen and and they're more progressive. They're more of a socialist-leaning countries as a whole. And even they figured this out.
0: Right. You know, I, you going back to what you were talking about when kids were, were learning at home and, yeah. uh, and everybody was connected via Zoom, I had been saying years ago, when I was doing my daily radio show, that if you wanted to really understand what was going on in the schools and you wanted to get parents better involved and really Mm -hmm. turn the school system around, that we would set it up that there would be closed-circuit cameras in every single classroom in every school in this country, and every classroom would have an IP address, and the parent could tune into that while they were at work or at home or what have you Mm -hmm. and watch what was going on in their child's classroom. And, of course, if you tried to do that today, can you imagine the pushback that you would get from the teachers' unions (laughs) and the education establishment? Because the last thing that they really want is to to have parents be involved, Edward. Right, right. And,
1: you know, so this... I want to talk back to the teachers again, because I know in my day-to-day life, I know teachers that are teaching in middle school and, and elementary school. And the people I know are good people. But they can't speak up because they're getting fired when they do. Right. And and the problem, why can't enough of them just stand up and walk out and many they're having problems filling teachers jobs because they're they are losing teachers right but but teachers need to speak up they need to be interviewed on radio or on the internet they need to do blogs or podcast or whatever because we parents and grandparents we need to be educated to what's really going on looks like we have run to the end of the hour edward Awesome. Another fun day. Thank you. All righty. So, anyway, I would just want to thank everybody for listening to us this week on Business Sense Radio. You can contact us through our website, businesssenseradio.com or
0: bcrradio.com. And I look forward to hearing for your comments. All right. And join us again next week at this same time on this very radio station for another edition of Business Sense Radio with your host, Edward King. CD was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.